You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus, who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35 yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10 yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Choby. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk, the preview edition Seahawks taking on the Cardinals, riding high on a three-game win streak, coming off a huge win over the New York Giants who came into that game 6-1. and one. Things are good over at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center as the Seahawks prepare for another battle in the NFC West. What's on tap? What's on tap? Those Cardinals bump, obviously, we just seen them a couple weeks ago. They are third and five in last place in the NFC West. They had losses to the Kansas City, the Rams, Philadelphia, the Seahawks, and most recently, the Minnesota Vikings. Their only wins on the season are against the Raiders, Panthers, and Saints, who have combined for a 7-16 and 16 record. So they have not beat anyone um, good for the, at this point. But man, bump, this last week, they were in the game, though. They was in this game playing the Vikings back and forth tight game throughout the Vikings managed to hold on for the 34, 26 victory fifth straight win for the Vikings who are playing good football right now. And man, Kyler Murray came off probably his best game of the year. Statistically 31 of 44, 326 yards and a season high three touchdowns. He did. However, throw two interceptions and was sacked four times. He did lead the Cardinals in rushing as well with 36 yards on six carries. And then the other thing that came back, D-Hop, he's back. <laughs> We're going to talk about him a yeah. lot later, but he's back. Went off for 159 yards on 12 receptions and a crazy one-handed touchdown. But, I mean, it's really not that crazy because it's D-Hop, right? That's what he does. I mean, so he's balling out. Rondell Moore had seven receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. Cardinals drew to within two points early in the fourth quarter, down 28-26. Cardinals would force a Vikings pup, but unfortunately, Greg Dortch fumbled the return. Vikings recover. Boom, four plays later. They're in the end zone. K.J. Osborne from Kirk Cousins. That made it 34-26. Cardinals did have three opportunities to tie the game up, getting past midfield every time, but were unable to score in the loss to those Vikings. So this team is kind of, I won't say at a crossroads right now, but they are trending in the opposite direction Seahawks are. They've lost three of four, and... Things aren't going as well as, as they would hope. They were in the playoffs last year. And they're kind of, this is a big game. This is a big game for them, big game for the Seahawks. So it's going to be an interesting interesting matchup as we head into this weekend, especially since these teams just played. Bump, when you look at the head-to-head comparison, what stands out to you? Yeah, first, let me say, um, can't sleep on nobody. Nope. Like, I know, <laughs> no, they lost three or four, but we know what this team possesses. And when you look at these numbers, you look at them on paper, you're like, this is an average type of team, right? They're 14th ranked overall offense, 17 when it comes to running the football, about 116 yards per game. Pass offense, they're ranked 13, they get about 230 per game. And when it comes to putting up points, they put up 22 points per game. That is good enough for 15th. Now, when we look at their defense, their defense are 22nd overall, 13th against the run, 23rd against the pass, and they're 30th when it comes to giving up points. They give up. The exact amount of points mm. as the Hawks like to score. So what I'm thinking is 
we should be able to drop at least 26 to 30 on these guys. Now, offensively, we know that this is a different team than what we saw last time. They didn't have D-Hop. Uh, we'll see what their running back situation looks like. They've been struggling in the backfield. Kyler Murray didn't really go off. Yes, he had 100 yards, but it, it was a bit tricky. Since the Hawks have seen these guys, they've improved offensively and defensively tremendously. And the numbers don't even do it justice. Like the numbers don't tell you what they've done the last three or four weeks. Offensively, the Hawks are ranked 12th. Um, overall, against running the football, they average a buck 30. That's good for 12th. Pass offense, they average 221. That's good for 18th. And I mentioned that they score 26 points per game. The Cardinals give up 26 points per game. Now, the real lie in the numbers is when you look at the defense. Yeah. Right, the last three weeks, this defense has only given up 15 points a game. But if you look at this stat right here in the comparisons, overall, they're giving up 24 points per game. They were great against the run last week, though they are ranked 28. They give up 140 per game. And then their pass defense has been better too. They give up 236 per game. That's good for 21st on average. So on paper, this game looks like it should be close. And it still might be close because this is the NFL and guys are going to make plays. But this doesn't tell you that the Hawks have gotten better offensively and defensively. And for the Cardinals, it doesn't tell you that they got a weapon named D Hopkins back and they will throw the football down the field. You're exactly right. You can't look too deep in the numbers for everything. Cause you look at some of these numbers and you would think, well, man, the Seahawks are five and three. When you look at those defensive numbers, you're thinking how in the world are they five and three? They must have the number one offense in the NFL and they don't. Right. But as you mentioned, they played two of their most complete games all seasons, the last two weeks. So they're playing really good football right now. And the Cardinals are dangerous, too. We're going to get into all the matchups. They have guys that can play. They're just kind of struggling right now. And when we asked our guy, Paul Moore, he said he'd always rather play teams that are coming off a loss because they're they're struggling still than a team coming off a win. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. These teams are somewhat evenly matched in some statistical categories, but we'll see what plays out on Sunday. But before we do that, let's know our history. Know your history. It's very recent history, Bum, as we just talked about. <laughs> Seattle leads the all-time series 24-22-1. Seahawks have won three of the last four meetings and six of the last nine. The last meeting, Seahawks beat the Cardinals 19-9 just three weeks ago at Lumen Field. And this was the beginning of the turnaround. This is where we finally got to see something. Because, reminder, this team had given up a ton of points to the Lions, a ton of points and yards to the Saints. And this is kind of where things changed. You know, Kyler Murray... He had a pretty good game in terms of rush yards. He ran for 100 yards, 42 of which came on one run. Otherwise, he was pretty bottled up, only threw for 222. One interception was sacked a season high six times. And O'Benjamin was shut down, only going for 37 yards on 15 carries. And on offense for the Seahawks, Ken Walker played really well in his first NFL start, going for 97 yards on the ground, 21 carries, and a game-sealing touchdown. But... This game was a knock him out, drag him out fight. It took a little bit for the Seahawks to kind of figure it out down the stretch. So we're hoping, you know, both teams get paid a lot. Both teams have coaching staffs that grind and work really hard. So there's going to be some adjustments. But if history will repeat itself, that should bode well for the Seahawks. But, man, I'm starting to like this segment coming up because it has one team on the top of the mountain in first place. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? Where my soldiers at? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? There's only one team in this division with a winning record. That is your Seattle Seahawks. They are five and three set top of this thing. Right below them, the Niners are four and four. And then the Rams are three and four. And the Cardinals are three and five, man. 
Like I said, the Hawks are all by themselves at top of this division. It's a beautiful sight. But let's talk about what happened in this division. We had a good game. Well, a divisional game. I wouldn't call yeah. it a good game, depending on who you're rooting for. You have the 49ers versus the Rams, and it seems like the Rams just cannot figure out the 49ers, man. Rams have won eight consecutive matchups now. They beat these guys 31 to 14 on Sunday. They took a 7 0 lead and then just put the pedal to the metal and outscored these guys. The Rams took a 7 0 lead and then the Niners just bounced back and did what they do. Christian McCaffrey was added to this roster for the 49ers week one. Took it easy, got some carries, couple catches. Week two, they said, unleash the mm-hmm. beast. And that's exactly what they did. This man had a rushing touchdown. He had a receiving touchdown and a passing touchdown. He is the first player since LaDainian Thomas in the 2005 to do that. It's been a while. You guys are listening. You're probably, some of y'all was youngsters. Some of y'all was a bit younger the last time LaDainian Thomason had a game like that, man. He finished with 94 yards rushing, 55 yards receiving, and he threw for 34 uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's another receiver who's been steadily improving throughout the year. He had himself a day, 81 yards on six receptions and one touchdown. And the Rams continue to struggle, man. He didn't have uh, the big turnovers, but he didn't lie out of the box score. He went 24 of 33, 187 yards, one touchdown, and had a rushing touchdown. The Rams only rushed for 56 yards. Cooper Cup continues to be steady. He has 79 yards, um, eight receptions, and one touchdown. This Rams team is trying to figure themselves out. This Niner team has figured themselves out and added a weapon to it. So I think right now, when you look at this division, you got to look at the Niners and the Hawks as the two teams to beat. But you can never sleep on the Rams. They're well coached. They got some talent over there. We'll see if they can climb out of this hole. The thing that jumps out about the Rams is they're not scoring points. This is the most explosive offense in the league when you think about you know, the team that was just in the Super Bowl, the team that just won the Super Bowl, when you have Stafford and Cooper Cup and all these weapons, but things are not going well. I believe they're 30th in, in offense right now, which wow. is insane to see a Sean McVay team not be able to score. And that's what's going on right now. Yes, they beat the 49ers last year in the NFC Championship game, so that's still going to hold weight for Ram fans out there, of course. But eight in a row, that's shocking. For whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan has figured something out in the regular season, and it is not looking good for the Rams. I say that with a caveat. You mentioned it. The Rams do well against the Seahawks, though. So it's going to be two games towards the end of the season against the Rams, hopefully one in week 17. That's going to be hopefully big for the Seahawks deciding something, but we won't get ahead of ourselves there. It's just something like you mentioned to watch out for because the Rams and the Cardinals are going a different direction than the Seahawks and the 49ers of late. But let's get a little deeper into those Cardinals. Man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. Kyler Murray. Enemy number one. He's the quarterback for these Cardinals. And he's, like I mentioned earlier, coming off one of the best games of the season, going 31 and 44, 326, and three touchdowns. He also completed 70% of his passes for just the second time this season. The only downside was he was intercepted twice and sacked four times. He's a guy that continues to make plays where you're like, wow. The only couple of men on this planet can make that type of play because that's the kind of athlete <laughs> he is. And you watch him, and sometimes you're just in awe. And then other times you scratch your head and you go, what happened there? He's just so he's so talented and he can do so many things, but occasionally he'll still make that big mistake. That happened on Sunday. Crucial interception late led to a touchdown for the Vikings, which ended up being the difference in the game. If you look at Murray on the season, 20, 215 of 325, 
1,993 yards, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions, been sacked 19 times. Murray's the Cardinals' leading rusher because they've had a lot of issues at running back. 51 carries, 299 yards, two touchdowns. First matchup against the Seahawks, we talked about it. Pedestrian effort in terms of statistically, 222 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Did have those 100 yards on the ground. We know, you know, 40% of them came on one carry, but he's explosive. He's a good football player, and he's someone you need to account for at all times. And he's really difficult because I remember before the first matchup, they didn't have any explosive plays. They did not have a play over 40 yards or 30 yards all season long. First drive against the Hawks. He has a 42-yard run and three other explosive plays. (laughs) But after that drive, the Seahawks contained him and kind of shut them down the rest of the way. They only scored touchdown on a botched, you know, punt block thing. They didn't actually move the ball and score. So it'll be interesting to see. Kyle is a good football player, prone to make occasionally make, make those mistakes down the stretch. But we'll see. The Cardinals right now 14th in total offense, 13th in passing. And you mentioned it earlier how well the Seahawks were playing defensively. Seahawks are now 27th in total defense, but in the last three weeks, they're only allowing 289 yards per game, and the Seahawks are 18th right now against the pass, 221. So the Seahawks are playing high. They're playing with some confidence, so it'll be interesting to see how they contain Murray because that's probably going to be one of the biggest keys to this football game. Containing Murray, he makes this thing go. You, you win and lose with your quarterback, so let's put some pressure on this guy. Let's talk about our quarterback, the MVP candidate quarterback over here, Geno Smith. Yes, sir. You got guys on NFL Live talking about this guy being in that conversation. So you got to give him some respect. Geno has completed 72% of his passes. That's good for the best in the NFL. He's eighth in the NFL when it comes to yards, 1,924. He's fifth when it comes to passing touchdowns. He has 13. He's tied for 27th when it comes to interceptions, only giving up three. High numbers better when it comes to interceptions. And he's fourth in QBR at 66.6%. Geno needs one touchdown pass to set a career high with 14 passing touchdowns in a single season. Needless to say, he has turned his career around yeah. and it's fun to watch it, man. Last week against the New York Giants, he was 23 of 34 for 212 and two touchdowns. Should have had four, two yep. crucial drops. Um, one from Lockett that he bounces back, one from Goodwin. I'm sure he's going to bounce back. He's got a QB rating of 104. And he has six games with multiple touchdown passes. He's had seven in his whole career, nine seasons. Granted, he sat for a while, but that just lets you know how well he is playing. Last time they played the Cardinals, he had himself a decent game. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, they lied on the special teams and defense to kind of kickstart this thing and get it going. He was 20 of 31, 197, no touchdowns and no interceptions. So far this year, like I mentioned, this guy is on a run. He has 35 carries for 158 yards and one touchdown. I saw this stat in that, which was crazy to me. He's also only off target 9% of the time, 9% of the time. He has a high third highest QB rating when it comes to throws over 40 yards. So everyone who thought that he was just going to dink and dunk and move and run the offense. Yes, he's doing that, but he's pushing it down the field as well, man. The Cardinals are the 22nd ranked defense. They give up 362 yards per game. There's money out there. There's yards to be had. And they are 23rd against the pass, giving up 252. It's uh, it's time for Geno to have a better showing this matchup and he's a better quarterback this matchup, even though that only happened a few weeks back, but that's the great thing about this team and Gino is that every week they're improving. No question about it. The one big thing to improve on offensively for the Seahawks is in the first matchup, Gino was sacked five times 
And on the season, the Cardinals only have 14 sacks, which is 26 in the NFL. You remove the Seahawks game, they would be tied for dead last. So they're not getting after the quarterback. They do have some exotic looks where they'll line up, you know, sometimes eight or nine guys on the line of scrimmage, drop three or four back into coverage. They'll have different blitzes, different schemes to try to scheme up the young rookie tackles and things like that, trying to make sure everyone's protection's on point. So that'll definitely be something to watch for. But I know between Shane Waldron and Geno Smith, they're going to have something for him this week, but something to keep your eye out on. But Geno, Geno MVP, we've been saying, I mean, the crowd change, Geno, Geno. It's got to be Let's so go. good for that, man. Love to see it. Love to see it for Geno. The other matchup I want to take a look at is, I'm just going to say the Cardinals running game versus Seahawks front seven. The Seahawks have done really well the last couple of weeks, shutting down Austin Eckler to nine carries for 31 yards and a touchdown. And then Saquon Barkley, the most impressive, you know, thing I think they've done all season is holding him to 53 yards on 20 carries. So he was getting the football consistently to hold him, a guy like that to 2.7 yards to carry. That's nuts. So the last couple of weeks, James Conner has been hurt. He's been out with a rib injury. He looks like he's still going to be out. We'll kind of wait and see. And Benjamin has stepped in as a starting running back the last couple of weeks with him out. 36 carries, 151 yards, and one touchdown in those three games that Connor has been out. And this Cardinals rushing attack is kind of in the middle of the pack. 17th overall in the NFL, 117 yards per game. Large part because Kyler Murray's also helping with the legs. So if you take away Kyler Murray, this rushing attack is a lot lower than it is. Benjamin on the season, 66 carries, 287 yards, and two touchdowns. So right now, I mean, you just got to keep doing what you did. You figured out what happened last week. If you can take away their running game and make and make Kyler, you know, he's their best player. But you want to eliminate something to make them one-dimensional, that's always going to be a big thing. And I think it starts with the running game and the way the Seahawks are playing up front right now. I'm very confident in that. Yeah, I feel good about it. Get Kyler Murray running up the gut, not towards the sidelines. He's dangerous on the sidelines. You have him run up the middle, you can corral this guy. Next matchup, we're looking at the receivers versus Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. They got D-Hop over there, got Rondell Moore, got tight end Zach Ertz. Now, the biggest difference between the matchup and this one, we mentioned it, DeAndre Hopkins is back. In two games, he's been targeted 27 times and gone over 100 in both these games. Against the City, had 10 for 103. Against the Vikings, he had 12 for 159 and a touchdown. He accounted for four out of six explosive plays through the air against the Vikings. You know that he is going to be targeted a lot, man. Since his return in the league, he's had 22 receptions, 263 yards, and 13 first downs. He's leading the league. This will be the biggest test for Tariq and Mike Jackson. These guys have been playing well. I think they've they've stepped it to the test every single week. But it's a little different test, man. This is arguably the best receiver in the league. I was talking to somebody today. I go, he can do what DK can do. He can do what Cooper Cup can do. He can do what Justin Jefferson can do. He can do what Devontae can do. Like, you just mash all those guys together, and you get a D-hop, so you have to respect him. Without question, oh, dude. Well, yeah, like, he his track record is ridiculous. So, we don't fear nobody, but you got to respect <laughs> him. This, yeah. is, this is the NFL. They also got Mar- uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, as a lot of people call him. He's got a 43 receptions for 45 and three touchdowns. Now, Zach Ernst is a, I would say he's one of the elite tight ends in this league. Narrow down to about three or four guys. He's only going to be mentioned in one of the elite tight ends. He has 41 receptions for 354 and three touchdowns. He's the team's second leading receiver. And Rondell Moore is an interesting one. His numbers aren't going to wow you, but 
he has big playability in him. He just hasn't really been unleashed yet. And let's not make it this week yeah. that we see this guy go nuts. He's got 24 for 251 and one touchdown. Tell me about these corners, though. I already ran down these receivers and what they bring to the table, but you're the defensive guy, which you see in in, in T. Woo and in, in, in the gang. Well, He's been shining. That's all he's done. That's all Tariq Warren has done since he's been in this league. And the last couple of weeks are no um, exception. He doesn't have any picks. But, and that's in large part because people aren't throwing in the football. Warren was targeted four times against the Giants. And allowed two receptions for 48 yards. Almost had, honestly, he couldn't have played the ball better than he did in that game. I couldn't believe he yeah. put down with a pick. Ran the route for the guy. Just a great uh, play made by, I think it was Slayton for the Giants. And then when he was matched up against Mike Williams the week before, he's only targeted four times and gave up three catches for 37 yards. So the few opportunities that he's having is still having success. As you mentioned, it's going to be his biggest test of the season without question. And then Mike Jackson coming off his best game of the year, in my opinion, against New York, seven tackles, three passes defended, and was just playing physical, was just hitting people all over the field. So these two are going to have to bring it, like you said, because DeAndre Hopkins is that dude. You, you can talk about his resume for hours. He is a very much established. You mentioned Hollywood Brown. He's going to be out on Sunday. So okay. you so Moore is the guy that I'm really kind of also concerned about because you said it. Every time I feel like he plays the Seahawks, he doesn't get a ton of stats, but he's always open. He's always making mm-hmm. plays. He makes his money in the middle of the field. I think he's a guy that is going to really have to step up in Hollywood Brown's absence. So. I'm excited. I'm going to get my popcorn ready for this matchup because sometimes, you know, when you're watching a game throughout the game, you'll just hone in on a couple, just watching a couple guys. Those are, that's the matchup I'm definitely going to hone in on because Tariq Woolen, if you weren't getting all the respect you've been getting already, you lock up Hopkins or, or contain him. I mean, I don't know what else you can put on your resume because that's, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got no words for it. Cause it's going to be a fun matchup. So can't wait to see that. The other receivers on the Seahawks side, DK Tyler, Taking on Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson. I'll throw Buda Baker in there from a secondary standpoint. You mentioned it earlier. We Got talked to. about it on the last po- podcast. Tyler Lockett had an interesting game, made some uncharacteristic plays, but came back for the game. You know, go ahead, touchdown, five receptions, 63 yards. Metcalf also made some big time contributions, five receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. And if you guys remember, these guys were game time decisions, didn't practice all week, got through it, made it to game time, and still did some good things there. But I would expect Tyler and those guys to go off this week. Tyler, notoriously, has had good games against the Cardinals. We remember that one game on Sunday Night Football where he had 220 yards. He's got multiple games. Crazy. Over 100 yards. And coming off the game where he didn't play his best, danger. Watch out. Because a motivated Tyler Lockett <laughs> trying to get after you, that's a problem. And the last time they played these guys, they only combined for four receptions and 51 yards. So it's going to be – it'll be a test – the Cardinals do have some good defensive bats. Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson are all good players. But I am predicting at least between them, bump, I'm predicting over over a buck seventy five at least. Buck seventy five and what that? I'm gonna say buck seventy five and three tutties. Ooh, three tutties. That three that's them a, things. That's a dub. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah, you got to respect Buddha, Byron Murphy, Marco. These are all professionals. They've shown that they can make plays, but we got professionals on our side and DK and Tyler. Let's get her going. All right, next matchup is Ken Walker versus the Cardinals front seven. Ken didn't do a lot the last game, right? 51 yards on 18 carries, but he had the game ceiling touchdown. And again, this is where stats can fool you. I say he didn't do a lot, but 
you know that the Giants accounted for him. Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple runs where he was one block away, one missed tackle away for breaking one of those signature 30, 40 yard runs. So far this year, he's got 461 yards and five touchdowns, and the Hawks have the 12th best rushing attack, getting about a buck 30 per game. This week will not be easy. The Cardinals have a talented front seven, but uh, I feel really good about it, man. They have the fifth best rush defense in the NFL as well. Now, in the last three weeks, they gave a 173 to Minnesota, 85 to New Orleans, and 136 to the Seahawks. I need them to repeat the performance that we saw against the New Orleans Saints, right? But we're going we're gonna to take advantage of the scene. We're going to be in the driver's seat and hand that ball to Kim Walker. You know what? I'm going to throw DJ, DJ Dallas in this too because he's good for one or two runs a game that's going to break for about 10 to 12 yards, right? Kim Walker's going to tap the helmet. He's going to need a break. They'll be good to go. So um, with all that being said, what they did against Minnesota, New Orleans, and the Seahawks, it dropped them to the 17th um, rush defense in the league. So they play good at times. They've given up a bunch of yards. Again, they've been going up and down with the numbers, but I think it's more what the Seahawks can do than what the Cardinals are going to do to the Hawks. I think with that offensive line, with Ken Walker being in the zone, and with a sprinkle of DJ Dallas, I'm feeling good about the run game. I love what you mentioned there, too, because you're right. He did only have 53 yards or 51 yards. So if you're looking at box score, that's not going to electrify anybody. But you're right. There's a couple shoestring tackles, a couple ones that was like, oh, my God, he was almost out the gate for that. So, against the Giants last week. So, now going against the Cardinals, we had success against last last time they played a couple weeks ago. I'd expect him to do a lot of the same because Ken Walker is special. And I'm hoping it's one of those games where Seahawks get up early and Ken Walker can do his thing in the second half, get up to 20 carries, can grind these guys down, possess the ball, control the clock, and that'll help them get a dub and stay in first place. But while we're talking about a victory, let's find out how we get there. Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Keep riding that momentum. Ray Roberts, if you're listening, I know you hate that word, but it's true. The Seahawks (laughs) got that momentum right now, and they keep riding that thing. They played two consecutive, incredibly complete games, all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. This week can't be any different. I think they'll need that, and if they continue that, this could be a good win for the Seahawks. Ride that wave and contain Kyler Murray. He had one big run of 42 yards the last time they hooked up. No big ones. You get five, you get 10 every now and then, but make him work for it. I want to see him sliding. I want to see him trying to get down because they got 11 helmets going to that dude. And then, of course, you got to contain DeAndre Hopkins. He's been targeted, what, over 25 times? I believe it was 27 times in the last two games, over 100 uh, both games. You got to make sure that guy doesn't go crazy. No question about it. He's scary when he does. And then offensively, man, come on. Gino's doing it. MVP. We've been saying it. We've been talking him up all season long. <laughs> Continue to do. Him and Shane Waldron have been in their bag the last couple of weeks. It's straight up. They're doing everything to keep this offense on on time. There's no delay of game penalties. There's no. There's not a lot of false starts. They're efficient. Everything that's going on with this offense is efficient. If they continue to do that, continue to play on a high level, that'll help them continue to score points. We know the Cardinals give up a lot of points. Seahawks score a lot of points. So that should be good. And the other thing I want to see bump, protect Gino. I think the Cardinals ran some different things that Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, some of the guys had not seen before. And I expect the Seahawks to be much more prepared for that in this game. And as long as you keep uh, Geno Smith upright and, and control that line of scrimmage, I think things will be good for the Seahawks. 
Yeah, you got to protect that man. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals blitz 37% of the time. That's the second most in the NFL. So you know you're going to get some looks. You know you're going to be tested. Offensive line, you know you have to communicate. If you can do all the things we just mentioned, then I think these guys walk out of here six and three, getting ready to go to Germany on the W, and I'm all for that. Oh, I can't wait. They're six and three going in with an opportunity to be seven three heading into the bye. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but no one saw that coming and that completely changes the outlook for the Seahawks on the second half of the season and bump we about to be in Germany dog come on now about to be in Germany you know what I'm saying we'll be back here next week for hopefully discussing a Seahawks victory over the Cardinals on Monday then we'll be chatting with you guys from Munich Germany Guten Tag to all the German listeners out there we cannot wait to be down there in Germany. Reminder, you can hear us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Sirius, XM, and more. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm NASA Chobi. This has been Hawk Talk, the preview. Hoping the Seahawks can take down the Cardinals on Sunday. We'll be there, and we will talk to you soon.